Hello and welcome to RA Edge. This is Mark Bruno, Managing Director in the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. We are delighted to have a very special guest here today. We have Claire O'Keefe, Partner and Head of Corporate Development at Serity Partners. Claire, it is great to talk with you again and thank you very much for being here today. It was wonderful to be here. Thank you, Mark. Uh, we have a lot to cover, um, but as we do here on RA Edge, we are going to talk about growth. And Claire, Serity Partners has been one of the fastest growing, one of the most strategic firms in the RIA space. And we'd love to talk a little bit about some of the primary contributors to your growth in recent years. You know, being a $33 billion RIA, you are one of the largest, but there are so many different things that are contributing to your growth in assets and employees. And we'd love to just learn a little bit more about the firm itself. You can just give us a bit of background and an overview on where you are today in terms of size, employees, number of clients, and then we'll get right into the drivers of growth for Serity. So please, Claire, a little bit about Serity and also your role as well, please. Thank you, Mark. I have the privilege of being a partner and serving as the head of corporate development at Serity Partners. Where my two key areas of focus are the development and management of our firm's strategic partnerships to drive organic growth and our geographic expansion as we seek to come together with like-minded professionals with whom to grow and build our partnership. Serity Partners is a full-service independent wealth management firm founded in 2009 under the leadership of our president and CEO, Kurt Nasinski. The vision from day one has been to grow into a leading global wealth management partnership capable of delivering a family office-like experience to private clients in a very sustainable and profitable way, and at the same time becoming a leading provider in workplace wealth management solutions for executives around the world. Today, our 250-plus colleagues, approximately 75 of whom are partners of the firm, have the privilege of serving over 6,000 clients, managing approximately $33 billion in assets for those clients from 12 offices across the country. I believe that a key driver of our success today is that we are a meritocracy-based private partnership, which operates with a one-firm mindset. Every partner of our firm has a voice and a vote, particularly as it relates to governance matters. And any partner can become the largest shareholder of our firm based on their contribution to the firm's growth and success. All right. Excellent. And thank you very much for that background. I do appreciate it. You're a very unique firm in the broader scheme of the RIA ecosystem. So just having that context is a very good starting point. And you did start to talk about some of the characteristics that make Serity unique. And I would love to talk about, you know, as we discuss your growth, the M&A side before we get into the organic side uh, of the story for Serity Partners. Obviously, it's the end of the quarter right now. So in my old world, I'd be writing the quarterly RIA M&A deal report. And more than likely, the headline would be something along the lines of RIA M&A deal activity is at an all-time high. Um, so we have to start with M&A. But you mentioned the way you're structured and the way you work and that any partner can become the largest partner. With so many different types of acquirers and different models out there in the wealth management market, one, how do you describe the Serity model? And then two, what specific problems do you solve for sellers at Serity? Thank you. So firstly, I would start with, it has to be the right fit. So unlike other buyers in the marketplace, if you will, 30 Partners is not an aggregator or consolidator or a roll-up. I mentioned that we have a, a one-firm mindset. We don't believe that we ever acquire anyone. When we come together with like-minded professionals, we truly view it as a merger. We plan to be partners and colleagues together for many years to come, kind of leveraging our 
respective strengths to enhance client and colleague experience and to build and grow a partnership together. I would say that is the key differentiator in terms of how we approach um, M&A. I would say in response to your question around the specific problems that we solve for sellers, for many RIA owners who have decided that they wish to sell, a merger with our firm can solve for many needs, some of which include liquidity, wanting to have a monetization event for the incredible value that they may have built up over their career, some business succession, both for colleagues of their firm and also clients of their firm if they don't necessarily have that in-house. Um, accelerated organic growth, which I know we will touch upon here shortly, um, professional and economic development opportunities for colleagues. And then for many owners, it's relieving them of run the business activities. They've done it for so many years. They really have other passions of areas of interest, both professionally and personally, that they would like to focus on. And so relieving them of those run the business activities is something that, that we can do for them. Is there a specific profile? So when you're looking at a potential acquisition target or an opportunity, I should say, uh, is there a certain size or preferred location or business model that fits particularly well with the, the Serity model and the way that, and, and your sort of ownership structure? I'd say first off, it starts with people. So if we believe that a an individual or group of professionals would be terrific partners and colleagues because we have the same DNA, if you will, in terms of how we think about building and growing a business, culturally aligned and so forth. You know, I think the size and location, candidly, are secondary to that. That said, you know, due to our ability to provide wealth management to corporate leaders, there are certain markets where we seek to have an enhanced presence those markets tend to be more highly concentrated with kind of the growth of corporations and industries, if you will. So thinking of, as an example, the San Francisco Bay Area and the incredible growth that's in that area or uh, many areas of Texas where many corporations have moved. For us, it's notwithstanding the fact that we've all had a, a virtual client experience um, over the last number, over the last 15 plus months, um, you know, having boots on the ground and having colleagues be able to meet in person with our clients, many of whom are executives, is important. So that for us is probably what also comes into play as we think upon, about the geographic expansion. Okay. And you mentioned, obviously, it starts with people. Uh, I couldn't agree more. But we'd love to just get a sense for what some of the key characteristics are when you're evaluating some of the potential acquisition opportunities out there. Some of the things that tell you this will be a very good fit from a, a personnel or a human capital standpoint. Certainly, when we're considering potential new partners, we really focus on five key areas. First off is culture. Are we culturally compatible? Back to the, the people piece of it. Do we view that we would be great colleagues and partners together? If the answer to that is yes, then we, we go to criteria number two, which is target clientele. Do we serve a similar client demographic and or, you know, to the extent there might be a variance in that client demographic is a complementary if we come together in terms of serving an enhanced client demographic. Number three is the value proposition. You know, is there a strategic value in coming together? I often say that two plus two should equal something much greater than four. Otherwise, the time, effort, and energy that is involved in coming together, candidly, is likely not worth it. So it's incredibly important that both us and our prospective new partners feel like there is a great strategic value in coming together. 
Fourth would be the business model. Do we share a vision for how to grow and operate a firm together? And to evolve that firm, we pride ourselves on being a very entrepreneurial partnership. So we are fortunate enough to welcome colleagues to our firm. We certainly evolve and grow and we become better every time we welcome new colleagues to the firm. So it's envision, do we have the vision today for what we're doing and the vision for the future as to how to continue to grow and build is important. And lastly, economics. Are we philosophically aligned on how to share economic success, both as partners and ensuring that sharing that economic success is spread throughout the organization, throughout the firm, colleagues within all roles? If we're aligned on all of what I just described, we then seek to ensure the business is financially and organizationally sound, assessing historical financials, clients and asset flows, concentration risks, talent, client experience, compliance, so on and so forth. You know, the, I would say the, the usual, if you will, when it comes to due diligence to make sure that we are all eyes wide open. And one of the most key important pieces is, you know, how is that client experience delivered? to make sure that when we come together, there is no interruption for our soon-to-be new partners and the client experience that they currently deliver. And then hopefully together, we are enhancing that for clients of our combined firm. Excellent. And thank you. I, I always love a list and to have you know, your criteria in that specific order not only helps us map out what you're looking for, but it does give a really good picture of sort of the, the or tell the Serity story very, very well. So thank you for walking us through that. Uh, and I did try and tell my kids the other day that two plus two should equal something more than four. Uh, and they, they gave me a little bit of a hard time on that one. We'll get to that though. One final question, just on the M&A side of things that I wanted to ask. In my previous role, we do a lot of valuation work and there were a number of firms that you'd look at their growth over the last you know five or six years. And notice, of course, you know that market appreciation was huge driver, you know, primary driver. But there are other ways, obviously, of looking at growth to tell if it's high quality and strategic. And obviously, that plays a big role in the valuation that gets assigned to a firm. So I'm just curious, you know, as you're looking at potential acquisition opportunities, and you're looking at things like their growth rates, what are some of the things that you are looking at to determine if the growth is high quality? Uh, and at the same time, what else might you be looking at to determine you know, whether or not you could contribute to its future growth if that firm becomes part of Serity? Certainly, first off, I would say to, as we assess the quality of our firm's growth, we analyze the historical trend of many things, but really it's the growth of clients, the associated, uh, I would say, net asset growth relative to that, growth of revenue and, revenue and EBITDA associated with those clients. From an asset perspective, certainly looking at it X market to see the, the true growth, if you will. And then also the growth of colleagues and infrastructure to ensure that the client experience is being delivered to be able to match that growth. For us, organic growth is the lifeblood of our firm. So partners and colleagues who join us benefit from a multi-channel approach to growth, which includes direct marketing, custodial referral program participation, key strategic partnerships. And they also benefit from our full service in-house offerings to the extent there is a firm, for example, that just provides today investment advisory services coming together with us. They will now have access to both colleagues and service to provide trust and estate planning, financial planning, tax planning and preparation and so forth. And then lastly, I would consider our niche expertise. So we've niche expertise in serving 
companies and their executives serving as an outsourced family office for ultra affluent clientele and then our, our alternative investment capabilities. Excellent. And thank you for spending as much time as you have talking about you know, the Serity M&A strategy and obviously a lot of the things that you're looking at when you're evaluating some opportunities. But you did mention the organic growth that you've had. I would love to shift gears and talk about how you're driving some of the organic growth that you've experienced. Just before we get into the specifics of it, would you mind, to the extent that you can, sharing some details on your organic growth rates and also the role it's played in shaping the composition of your business? Well, we have certainly been incredibly fortunate to welcome new colleagues by way of merger. Organic growth has always been the primary driver of our growth. Like many of our peers, we felt incredibly blessed by the sustainability of our firm and the wealth management space in general over the last 15 plus months. In 2020, by way of example, we welcomed over a thousand new clients. We're on track to do the same this year. Many of those clients we've yet to meet in person, which is very unusual for us. And yet at the same time has been an exciting development as we continue to think about ways to increase efficiency and to optimize the client experience. In response to your question regarding in terms of how organic growth has shaped our firm, it's in our DNA. It's at the very core of our entrepreneurial partnership. Organic growth creates energy within the firm, provides both professional fulfillment and economic mobility for colleagues, particularly for those colleagues more junior in their career who wish to become a partner and see a path to partnership associated with driving organic growth. So when you're looking at your organic growth rates and the numbers that you just cited about your growth in 2020 and first quarter, I mean, it's amazing. And even in sort of a normal non-pandemic world, I think that would be exceptional. What have been some of the primary drivers of your organic growth and the success that you've had? In the early years of our firm's evolution, our organic growth was predominantly driven by colleagues who had great relationships with clients and centers of influence. As our firm grew, we made the strategic decision to evolve to a multi-channel approach to driving organic growth for referral flow for the benefit of all colleagues. And because we believe that there should never be a dependency on any one particular channel as our firm grows. Today, the primary drivers of our organic growth are firstly delivering an exceptional client experience, which results in increased growth as the client relationship grows. Secondly, client and center of influence referrals. Third, direct and digital marketing to target clientele. Fourth, custodian referral programs. And last, but certainly not least, strategic partnerships with select financial services firms who don't do what we do and we don't do what they do, but they serve corporations and executives around the world and believe that our corporate services are a much needed value add for their clients. And when you look at 2020 in particular, because you mentioned you know, several years ago, you had that shift from omni-channel to multi-channel. Um, but last year, it's not like we all got a lot of notice, right, that we were going virtual or remote instantly, but you still grew you know, despite the sort of inability to do in-person and more traditional face-to-face -face, you know, networking or business development. So from an organic growth, from an, a marketing standpoint, I should say, how did you adapt? And more specifically, how did you get to the point where your advisors were actually able to establish trust or enough trust that somebody who's never met them in person was saying, you know what, I want to hire you to manage my money and my family's money? I would say that our technology colleagues certainly became the most favored colleagues in our firm uh, in 2020. <laughs> and to this day, they remain candidly the most favored colleagues in our I'm firm. I'm sure. 
we, uh, to your point, I mean, none of us had the, the foresight to anticipate a pandemic or what we would all go through over the, over the next number of months after the pandemic launched. One, I would say that we were incredibly fortunate as a firm that we had strategically planned and had implemented best in class in terms of technology and tools um, in advance of the pandemic. So we really were from that perspective set up for success. I credit certainly our colleagues, uh, our colleague Kevin Hilton, who was our chief operating officer with leading that along with our technology colleagues to make sure we, one, were in that position. I would say that, you know, we quickly like everybody else transitioned overnight from you know, having 12 offices to having about 250 offices. Yeah. And really, it was uninterrupted. Um, it, it, it went off without a hitch. And, and certainly, I think from there, it was firstly making sure colleagues were able to do what they needed to do to serve clients. And then certainly making sure that we were able to engage with colleagues. But from the client's perspective, you know, they also were going through this. And so we pride ourselves on meeting with our clients as regularly as they would like to meet and typical, I would say client engagement is on a quarterly basis. And at least one of those tends to be in person. And so for us, you know, the full client experience got transitioned to Zoom. So in the, in the absence of kind of being able to be in person, I would say the phone calls got replaced with Zoom, which probably actually enhanced the engagement between advisors and clients. Sure. And the in, the in person, then we tried to recreate that, if you will. So wanting to make sure that we scheduled those meetings at a time where our clients were feeling comfortable. We certainly had some clients who would get on at the end of the day and encourage them, pour a glass of wine, sit down, have a conversation. So to make it just a little bit more informal, if you will, so they felt comfortable. We sent client experience packages in advance. So to kind of recreate what the experience might have been if they had come into our offices, making sure they had the materials so they could easily reference them without having to print everything up or try to look at it on an iPad as they were chatting with us. And I would say that that really stood to us in terms of kind of how to adapt um, and engage and then making sure that we continue to enhance what we were already doing in terms of outreach. But much of it was, you know, particularly when the markets were in flux, making sure that we held regular webinars with our uh, investment colleagues around, you know, updates on the market, kind of what we were looking at, what we were seeing, what we were experiencing. Every colleague in our firm directly outreaching to clients immediately kind of when the pandemic hit to make sure that our clients felt comfortable. And really, it was just a lot of touch points and continue to engage mm -hmm. in those touch points, even pivoting what we did throughout the year relative to getting more creative on the marketing side with some video clips rather than just written content and which has all been terrific. And, you know, as we look back on it now, thinking about what are the things we can now leverage from that experience to make sure that we take that as we continue to go forward and as things start to open up. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's a great point too, just about you know, thinking in one going from 20 some odd offices to 250 because that was absolutely the truth for you know a number of companies and then you had people captive whether they're existing clients or you know prospects and it actually created more opportunities to engage with people so i hadn't really thought about it like that before but it sounds like you took the opportunity and made it work for you made it work for your clients so thank you for sharing all of that detail, Claire. Is there anything else before we wrap up here as you think about some of your growth, some of the things that have contributed to either your recent growth or some of the things that may contribute to your growth in the future? 
Is there anything that we didn't discuss that you think would be important to add here on the subject of growth? Mark, I think we've covered it. Nothing else to add from my end other than to thank you for inviting me to be with you today. It's been fun. Excellent. Thank you very much, Claire, for that overview of your organic growth and your organic growth strategies. Also, you have particularly interesting and a value to look at how you turn some of the challenges of being remote into opportunities. So thank you for the deep dive here. It's always a pleasure. On behalf of RIA Edge, we want to thank you and the Saturday team for taking some time to share a little bit more detail about your overall growth strategies. I think our audience will learn quite a bit from your thoughts on M&A, marketing, and just organic growth in general. So thank you, Claire. We appreciate it. And thank you to everybody for listening here today. Again, it's Mark Bruno, Managing Director, Wealth Management at Informa Connect. Thank you very much for listening to RA Edge and looking forward to seeing you again on the next episode.